Welcome back to another episode of Know Your Rights Camp Podcast. My name is Alicia P. And I am a volunteer here at the Know Your Rights Camp. I've been a part of the camp since 2017, loving on our kids, loving on our community. Um, Outside of the camp, I am a creative producer, a podcaster, and a mental wellness advocate. And to my right, I have Yessi Ortiz. That's right. Yessi Ortiz um, from Los Angeles. I've been with the Know Your Rights Camp for oh since 2018 so a couple years um i'm just honored to be a part and volunteer with this incredible family incredible team of people who just work through and push through days with like little sleep (laughs) to make some students just more informed more empowered and leaving here um, hopefully with the wealth of knowledge Uh, on the side i also have 19 years of radio experience in la um been everywhere, I think, some TV as well. And I'm also a founder of a coalition called Lima, which is Latinos in Media and Arts, where we try to elevate uh, Latinos in executive positions and representation on TV and film and giving back to the community. Come on, resume. (laughs) Feeling good. And to my left, we have Caleb Dawkins, who's going to tell us who he is and why he's here today. Absolutely. So again, it's, it's such a pleasure to be here with you all today. Um, by brief introduction, my name is Caleb Dawkins. I'm a financial advisor at the J.P. Morgan Private Bank. And what I focus is on is professional athletes and entertainers and tech entrepreneurs. Um, I didn't come from wealth uh, and had a lot of things that I needed to learn um, as I was coming up in the industry. So what I do is nine to five. I'm working with, you know, very wealthy individuals. But my true passion is taking that knowledge and educating our community so we can get that financial freedom just as much as they can. So Amen. very happy to be here um, and looking forward to our conversation today. Yes. We have like so much information because um, to get from you, because I think this is one of I know Alicia and I favorite like topic yes. here is money oh my God. Right. money yes. money money and something that we don't talk enough about right is money right and that's something that we all wanted to learn one of the 10 points here with know your rights is um i have the right to be free right mm-hmm. but what is the i have the right to be financially free what does that mean to you caleb absolutely i think a lot of people will say that money can't buy you happiness mm-hmm. um and there's statistics that state that money can't buy you happiness because after you make a certain amount of income the level of happiness actually goes down but what I will say is that money can make things a lot easier. I mean, you, right, you right. it provides pay. choices. Exactly. And financial freedom, meaning if I want to go to Dubai next summer, you know, then I want to be able to have the finances to do that. If there's something that happens in terms of I lose my job, I don't want to be forced in a job that I don't want to do because I have that emergency fund or that savings that's going to bridge me to the job that I want to do. So financial freedom to me is essentially being able to do what I want to do and not have my finances influence those choices, if Ooh, that makes sense. Oh, that no, makes perfect sense. I think what's really important to talk about, and I told you I'm a mental wellness advocate. Yeah. I'm in <laughs> therapy. Therapy is in every part of everything. But Absolutely. what I don't think people realize is the psychology surrounding money. Oh, yes. And your thought process in your mind around money. So let's let's get into our what our black community, what our community of color the thought process and just the conversations we have ourselves or not right. about money. What is the psychology about it? So, I mean, everybody has certain habits. The reason why I got into finance finances is because the way that I was raised wasn't necessarily um, 
the the best upbringing. Now, I love my mom. She there. She provided for me, but she wasn't educated on finances right. as much as like some most of my of clients moms. are. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had finances and emotion is very tied together. Yes, if I say is. things like debt or you don't have money, like you emotionally are affected by it. So it has a lot to do with mental health. Um, some people spend on just things that they don't need because it makes them feel comfortable, right. whereas others will go and eat things that they don't necessarily need to eat to make themselves uh, themselves feel comfortable. Um, so in terms of like your question, the thing that I got into finance is because our family had issues because we weren't making the nest, uh, the necessarily important decisions. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a lot tied by how they reacted towards certain emotions and right. was having arguments and I'm going to leave and go get an apartment that I can't afford and treat myself but it's like, where is this money going? What is the goal? Where are we headed? And how yeah. is this going to impact generational wealth years right. after this? Um, but to answer your question, it's, it's tied. It's tied directly, mental health uh, and finances. But, like, let's rewind a second here. Like, at what age yeah. do you start even trying to break the mindset? Because I know there's a lot of, like, 19, 20-year-olds right now who probably are watching this, listening to this, right. who just got their first job, yeah. right? Their first debit their card. Their first debit card, their first checking account, and some don't even know about a savings account. Do we go younger? Do we start talking about this conversation about financial fr- wealth and freedom at mm-hmm. a younger age? Like, what do you su- like? Absolutely. So we have this saying in, in finance that it's not about timing the market. So timing your investment, but time in the market. Ooh, that's okay. Good. So what that makes sense is that you want your money to be working for you as long as you can. Ooh. And the reason why that's so important to answer your question is if I knew the things that I knew now, mm-hmm. I would have been investing when I was one years old. And, yeah, you know right. At before right. birth. <laughs> I would have been investing before I got here. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And that's because of this concept of like compounding, like things compound over time and it grows. So the earlier that you can get your money invested into work for you, the more money that you're going to have in the long long run. Now, what I will say is that it's easier said to done. Like, hey, start saving now. But we're so influenced by just all of these alternative like social media, Instagram. Sometimes yeah. it's yes. really to so focus yeah. on ourselves because, you know, that bag just came up or those J's just came yes. up. And you wanna hold you wanna hold on to that whatever money you want to buy whatever it is. Exactly. But instead if, of double or tripling it. Right. And if you can condition yourself to kind of make that sacrifice now, you could borrow two, three four pairs of J's in the future because you invested that money early on. Mm-hmm. So it's again, being very diligent and dedicated to whatever that plan is and always understanding what is the goal and what are you trying to achieve? Yeah. I mean, Oh, that's so uh, even just that. If somebody told me that at one years old, <laughs> I think what you or just, just, you know, the, as a kid, what are your goals and what are you trying to achieve? Or just being comfortable with money. Right. I think that's the thing. We're not comfortable. We would never taught to be comfortable and understanding that spending money responsibly, i.e. investing, mm-hmm. is okay. We're taught to hold on to it tight and don't let it go and keep it there to you so you can feel comfortable. Right. But what we don't understand to make money you gotta you gotta be able to not risk, but you have to scare money don't make no money. Right, right. Literally. No, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. yeah. So I mean to talk, you know, go into financial literacy Oh, that's a conversation within itself. But (laughs) financial literacy, what does that mean? And what are like, I don't want to say three steps, but what are like two or three things that people should know about the importance of financial literacy? Right. Um, Believe it or not, I think the first thing, and this is talking to anybody, any type of wealth you have, however many zeros you have in your account, we always start the conversation. Number one is goals. 
if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? You know what I'm saying? So, like, we need to figure out what are we budgeting for? What are you saving for? Mm-hmm. Because for different goals, you're going to have different paths, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the first step. It's like, what are you saving for? What do you want to achieve? Is that putting your, your, your son or daughter through college? Is that buying a house? Is that opening up a company? Because each goal is going to have a different strategy yeah. around it. The second thing is having a plan. Now, you have a goal, but if you don't put the goal on paper, then it's just a dream. You know what I'm saying? And you got to have that plan and that budget to make sure that you're going to be able to make that so you have something to see your progress on. I said that I wanted to do this by then. How can I track my progress on it? And the way that you do that is having a budget and a plan. Yeah. Yeah. The third thing is that you have to condition yourself to, again, I keep reiterating this, is that you need to focus on what you're doing and have tunnel vision and forget what everybody else is doing. Yeah, that's right. Because some people, like I, myself, I'm in the industry, and I'll see people on Instagram, and they'll have, like, the new clothes or some jeans. The or new the jewelry, new, the, new the new bag. Exactly, and it makes shoes. me want to go and do that. But, again, when you go to that goal, I always tell people, how did that goal make you feel? You said you wanted to buy your mom yeah. a new house, right? Mm-hmm. Be in that moment. How does buying your mom a new house make you feel? So mm-hmm. when that bag comes up on your Instagram – you go back to that emotion, which is going to make you happy over time, the bag or the house. So I think those three things are how you get financial literacy, be financial literacy. But again, it's just in anything that you do. Money Mm -hmm. is no different than going to the gym. You know, if you discipline work out, you got to eat right. You got to be consistent. And that's the same thing in finance. Just be consistent and go into things that you understand and make it simple. What about the resources that we can find? Mm -hmm. Where where can we get those that guide and that support? Absolutely. So I think there's there's a number of of other banks or credit unions where you can actually walk in. um, Oh, my God. Credit unions is another whole other conversation. I know. (laughs) And get the necessarily assistance that you need to ask questions. What I will say, and honestly, I didn't know what stocks versus bonds were or investing or checking. I'm still learning today. Yeah. (laughs) So what I do is I I literally use apps. I use YouTube. I use Google. Mm. What is a stock? How do I build wealth? Literally just very simple questions and then go through go through those links. And again, it sounds very like elementary. But again, that's how I started. Doesn't it feel like overwhelming, though, sometimes? Like, truthfully, it feels a little overwhelming, like getting the YouTubes and stuff like like for me, it does. Right. Because I myself am very like brand new to getting my financial right. wealth up. Right. And I get a little overwhelmed. Right. So like, is there a simpler way of kind of finding that support? Yeah. So there's there's a number of organizations. I can't speak on other uh, you know cities, but I, I could say here in Las Vegas, there's organizations like Nevada Partners where you could come in and they provide you those resources to break those things down. Mm-hmm. Like you want to talk about stocks, but let me put it into like, do you buy Jordan's? And then they kind of understand, like, yeah, I buy Jordans. Putting in things and meeting the person where they're at. So I would say look at some of your nonprofits because financial literacy is not something that we just made up yesterday. Right, right. This is something that's reoccurring. And because there's such a large wealth gap between um, white families in America versus our black and brown families, this is something that banks and other financial institutions are really hitting home. So, like, for example, um, the firm that I work at, we have a community branch manager. Her job is to go out and talk to different organizations to give them that basics of financial education. So go to your local branch um, or whatever you're doing, your banking, and you can sit down with somebody and their job is to educate you. Yeah. So what books would you suggest um, that that makes it easy? Because I think Rich Dad, Poor Dad is literally a book that makes it easy for you to understand. And it's kind of repetitive, too, in a way that sticks with you. Yeah. Um, But so what kind of books similar to that? Would you so suggest? to be honest? For me, I'm more of a visual learner. Yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's, that's good fine. too. Um, yeah, and videos. 
So I can't really describe. So I honestly will go online and and read articles um, again and just kind of outlining what that is. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I've heard is a great book mm-hmm, to yeah. kind of get the process started. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I'll even dumb it down even more. Like, what is cash? And yeah, that's, Ooh, that's, wow. that's, that's good. That's, that's, good. How I, that's how I educated myself just yeah. because, and again, books might be great for everybody, but again, that's why I keep reiterating that you got to meet the person where they're at. That's real. So if you are a visual learner, then YouTube might be the thing. If you want to yeah. do um, like hearing, I listen to a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. to kind of educate. If there's reading, then Rich Dad or Poor Dad. So it's really getting a better understanding of how are you going to take in the information and what's best for you. For me, books books ain't doing it. No, that's real. <laughs> but see, but that's but there's also that's, a video, uh, a game, a board game, just so you know. <laughs> right. No, I do, but see, and I love that you say that right. and you're honest about it because yeah. people think that you only can find the information in books, which I do think. You know, a lot of information is hidden in books. Absolutely. Um, I forget who says this line, but my uh, friend of mine used to say this all the time. Um, they hide the information to keep to, something along the lines of like to keep you dumb. They hide all the information in the, between the pages right. or in between the books. And while that is true, that doesn't work for everybody. So I'm glad that you kept it real and you said, OK, books are not for me, but I'm visual Googling. Learning. What is cash? What is a stock? Is just as important, and it, and it will teach you. Right. That's how yeah. you got to where you were. Right. Um, anything you can say to a college student to yeah. protect themselves from a very what did we call it early earlier like a predatory oh kind of God. system there. in yeah. terms of you know going to school, college, and having literally a seventeen, eighteen year old sign on a dotted line. Mm-hmm. I was right. one of those people. Yeah. I'm 35. I literally just learned something about a previous student loan that I had yeah. that I didn't even know was in collection right. yeah. and what I can do about that. Right, right. I learned that this year. But what can you say to someone um, 18 about to sign a dotted line? Yeah, so student loans or loans or debt, period. Credit cards, whatever you want to call it, is you want to make sure that you're understanding what you're signing up for because although it might feel like that money is free, nothing in life is free. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to be very conscious about what amount of money that you're going to take out and have them outline, like, when do I have to pay this back? How much am I going to have to pay this back? There's going to be interest that's going to be embedded in these student loans. So meaning that $1,000 that you took out is going to be a lot more in five, in trust, five trust years. Trust me, people. Right. It will. And if you don't know what more. interest is, <laughs> figure out the definition what of interest. Is interest? Exactly. Interest is just the cost of a dollar. If yeah. I'm going to borrow a dollar from you, how much are you going to charge me to borrow that yep. dollar? And that interest sometimes will accrue over time. For some student loans, it starts from when you uh, when you take it out. There's others where they don't oh, wow. start until um, when you graduate yeah. or six months after. So with any debt, um, you want to make sure what you know what, what you're signing up for. But when I say debt, when I'm talking to a lot of clients, debt is very emotional. Yes. And the reason why I bring it up is because sometimes when we talk about debt, we think about like it's a negative thing. But when I'm working with some of my wealthier clients, they don't think debt as negative because they think of debt as a resource and a tool. Yeah. So it's understanding, uh, it's it's having our communities understand if we could understand debt and how to use it to our advantage, then it actually could be a resource to be able to grow your wealth over time. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that both black and brown communities can get a better understanding. Because one of the the hardest questions that I I got asked when I was interviewing was like, why do wealthy people take loans? And I'm like, I don't know. Like they got all the (laughs) money in the world. Why do they need loans? And it's because they have their money doing something. So why use my money when I could use the banks? Exactly. So if you can get a better habit of like paying, making those payments on time, 
um, understanding what a credit score is. Debt to ratio. Debt to ratio. That could do a lot of wonders and that can really maximize what your wealth is. But again, it goes to being consistent. Yeah. Building that budget. Discipline. Saving and discipline. Yeah. But all of these things are resources if you're educated and know how to utilize them. One other thing that I think is important to talk about is capitalism and the system that we're trying to fight against. Talk about that. Absolutely. So I had touched on like the wealth gap that we see in the United States. And the reason why there's such a large wealth gap stems from just slavery from back in the day. Mm -hmm. Redlining where, you know, um, you know, African-Americans weren't able to live in certain neighborhoods. And why that's so powerful is because one thing that we can go on hours is about trust in the state. So that's that generational wealth that we're going into. So, for example, I break it down and keep it very simple. When you own a home, right, you buy that home and that home, again, is going to appreciate over time. But when you sell that home, you're going to have to pay taxes on it, right? Right. But what happens is that if that home passes down to the next generation, what you have to pay taxes on is going to be minimized because what you pay for it is actually going to get stepped up. So, mm-hmm. for example, if you have a $100,000 home and it appreciates to $200,000, right, you're going to have to pay taxes on the difference of $100,000 and $200,000, right? Mm-hmm. This is just like an example. If you die and pass that home to the next generation, that home is now going to cost that $200,000. So if I wanted to sell, if my mom passed it to me and I needed to sell that home, I don't have to pay any taxes. That's just cash in my pocket. Mm, okay. And that's why it's so, like, redlining is such an issue because Ooh. some of the largest assets on people balance sheets is home ownership and yeah. real estate. But if we couldn't buy homes, then how would we be able to build generation health from jump? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So that's why it's very key to understand why there is such a wealth gap. And even hit it home is that I could be making the same amount of money as my white counterpart. But like I'm one of the very few people that made it out. Yeah. So my first paycheck when I got uh, to J.P. Morgan didn't even go to me. I had a sister that had a, had a baby, a younger sister that had a baby. I had my brother who was going through school. And my mom was struggling. So what I had to do is I had to take that money and help people out. Whereas I had my white counterpart. He's sitting out already good. good. Check on straight into the bank account. Wealth right there. Yeah. So that's the thing that we call the black tax. Mm -hmm. It's like if you're the one that made it, all of the responsibilities that individuals have to deal with, you know, and that's not something that you can get in the book because that's harder to tell. Like, yo, mom, like I really love you and I want to take care of you. But if I keep handing money out, then how am I supposed to take Absolutely. care of myself? Oh, that's right. oh my God. So it's like we need those, more time. Those things really impact. Yes. Like, and that's why to your point, wealth is very emotional um, and has to do with a lot of mental health. And that's not anything that you could put in an Excel calculator or finance book because that's just something that you have to experience. And that's so good because that's that is what is literally holding down the black community is the emotional mm-hmm. ties we have to it. That it's not our fault right. that no. we're so emotional too. Right. So I'm glad we we spoke about that. And it's just to, just for me, it's just to think about how much money is hiding in plain sight right. for us right. that we can't even touch because of all of the oppression and systematic mm-hmm. things that we have to constantly endure. So exactly. Thank you for touching on that. No, no problem. I think we're gonna have to do this again. Yeah. Can, yeah. Because there's just too much to talk about. We, we can talk get, about credit cards. We, we can talk about social, your, your credit minutes, score. Yeah, 15 minutes <laughs> is, a, is a short time to kind of yeah. talk about finances. But again, I think you, you you both said it best, is that just have the conversation. That's the first step that you can have. Ask the question. If you don't understand it, um, start there. And then your knowledge will build, uh, you know, over time. I didn't come from much wealth and had to learn this myself. So, um, but yeah, be more than happy to come back. Thank you both for having me. Yes. Yes, thank you. I'm Yessi Ortiz. 
I'm Alicia Pamphill. I'm Caleb Dawkins. And, and we, we know, know our rights. rights. If you like what you heard on today's episode of Know Your Rights Camp podcast, make sure to like, share, and subscribe.